Well, it's good to be back with you, Eastbridge. It's been about once a month that I've been coming to fill your pulpit and bring the word. It's been a blessing uh, meeting some of you and um, love to come back. And I thank you for having me back once a month. I invite you to turn with me today to our scripture passage, which is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 3. Very likely a familiar passage to you that you, I'm sure you have heard. This is the word of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we begin today the first Sunday as starting the season of Advent, which is traditionally a time of preparation for Christmas. And all of you perhaps have slightly different ways of observing the holiday season, Advent season. But I hope that you will be encouraged as we begin the Advent season of time of thinking of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, when he took on flesh and walked among us, looking forward to his death and resurrection on the cross. So we begin Advent by looking forward to Easter. Whatever your practice may be for the holidays, you and your families, it is a great comfort to turn to passages in God's word that speak about the coming of Christ, both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. All of God's word, the entire Bible, is the record of God's redeeming his chosen people, his elect, through a redeemer the Lord Jesus Christ. So Isaiah's very long book, 66 chapters, shows us both God's judgment against sin and wickedness in Israel and in the nations, but also the comfort that God brings to his chosen people and to us as the body of Christ, his church. Our passage today was one that Isaiah wrote for the future, for those who would return from exile in Babylon, from Babylon, but also to a greater and fuller fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Just as Isaiah was inspired to proclaim liberty to the returning exiles, so Jesus, our Lord and Savior, proclaims good news and liberty to the world in himself. Because when we read our passage today, we look back to see Isaiah looking forward. Forward for him, first to the returning exiles, and then to a greater fulfillment in Jesus, where we as 21st century believers can be comforted too. You may have 
Notice as I read verse one, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to say, yes, I recognize these words and you probably recognize them from Luke chapter four. Jesus read this very passage that we read today in the synagogue. And Jesus said, after reading to the assembly today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus says, it is fulfilled in me. All of scripture points to Jesus Christ. The Bible is the written and infallible record of God saving his people through Jesus. You might recall in Luke chapter 24 when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus talking to the two despondent disciples. Jesus showed them all of what was written in Moses and the prophets about him. And Luke did not record everything Jesus said to those two disciples, but perhaps Isaiah 61 was one of the things that he showed them. This is where I am in the scriptures. So Isaiah wrote these words a long time ago, probably somewhere in the 720s B.C., And they looked forward again to the exiles who would return about 150 years later from exile. But there would be an even greater fulfillment and promise that would come, as I said, through Jesus. The true to the church, the true chosen people, to believing Jews and Gentiles together. And this is why Jesus took the scroll in the synagogue and said, these words are fulfilled in me. And they are about me and how we in 2022 can read and apply and be comforted by the promises of Isaiah 61 for us. So we read today what this true anointed one, Jesus himself, speaking through the voice of the prophet Isaiah, does for his chosen people. And we read in verse 1, that this anointed one brings good news to the poor. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted. Well, what is the good news to the poor that Isaiah speaks of here? We know that the world is not filled with a great deal of good news. It seems that way, at least. In fact, it seems to be a lot of bad news. And much of this, I I believe, is the fault of the news media. They seem to only broadcast that which is vile and disgusting and sordid. When was the last time you turned the news on and you saw stories about happy families, safe neighborhoods, successful businesses, or people enjoying their jobs? Now, at the same time, I don't want to ignore that there really is a great deal of suffering in our world today. There is suffering and disease and war and famine and pandemics. We all know that. Marriages and families are damaged because of sin. This is the result of all of us living in a world that is affected by the fall of man into sin. And we understand that from the first three chapters of the Bible. Genesis 1 through 3, and particularly chapter 3, is clear that sin has invaded God's creation. This true good news, what Isaiah looked forward to, and what Jesus proclaimed is 
this. First, that we as believers in Christ are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. It's from Ephesians chapter two. And second, we are bought with a price. We as believers in Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Christ on the cross for our sins in our place when we could not atone for our sins, he did for us. And third, that we who are united to Christ in faith, we are his, the sheep of his pasture, and we will never be lost. So that's the good news today that we hear from Isaiah, that we hear from Jesus, that we read about all the way through the Bible. And I pray that you'll be comforted by that today. And I pray that you will be comforted by that during the daily avalanche of bad news that probably comes across your phone or your TV. It is truly good news to those who need to hear it today. And maybe you know of friends or family members who are suffering, who are struggling, and they need to hear the good news also. I meet people like this every day in my work as a hospital chaplain, sitting at the bedside of those who are sick and physically suffering and frequently spiritually suffering also. There is something in binding up the brokenhearted that comes from the Holy Spirit's work through the preaching of the word. Binding up is a reference to the healing of wounds, just like a doctor or a nurse or a paramedic does if you are injured, binds up and tends your wound so that it heals. And this is what the good news does for us as believers in Christ. It binds up our spiritual wounds. And we are wounded by the great... And we are wounded and we are healed by the great physician himself, Jesus Christ. Secondly, in verse 1, we see how this bearer of good news, ultimately Jesus himself, proclaims liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I have never been in prison, that is, as an inmate in prison, I have visited prisons I know some who have actually served time in prison. I have a good friend I knew from junior high and high school who went to prison for six years. And during his time in prison, we exchanged letters and we had to actually write letters to each other because he was not allowed to use a computer. And when he wrote to me, I could sense the heaviness. I could almost see the iron and hear the clanging and touch the cold metal as you can imagine prisons are. And I remember him telling me how there was no privacy in prison. Everywhere he and the other inmates ate and slept and even went to the bathroom was wide open for everyone to see. There was nowhere that one could go for privacy. Imagine hearing that there is liberty for the captives, the opening of the prison for those who are bound. And what good news it is for us as we start Advent today that Jesus has freed us, believers in Christ, from the prison of sin 
We are freed. We are no longer shackled and bound by sin. And we may struggle with the remnants of sin in our lives, but we know and know this, that Christ has set you free, set us free. Ephesians 1 said, Ephesians 2, 1 says, outside of Christ, we were dead. Romans 3 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6 says that we who were once slaves to sin have been set free. And we know that a slave is essentially a prisoner because a slave is not free, but must follow everything that his master tells him to do. If you were a believer in Christ today, you were once a slave to sin. But now Jesus has freed you. And you no longer have to follow that taskmaster, that slave master of sin. Because you have been set free in Christ. So when Isaiah writes this, and Jesus ultimately speaks this and fulfills this himself, of liberty for the captives, freedom for prisoners, it is the greatest news that we can hear today. If you find today that you are fighting with a particular sin or sins in your life, perhaps a persistent sin that you do battle with, know that in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you can put that sin to death. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a new creation in Christ. In that fight against, that battle against your sin, it may be hot and it may be heated sometimes, but Jesus has won the victory for you. Remember in Romans 6 again, we were once slaves to sin and have been set free. Jesus has proclaimed liberty for the captives and freedom for the prisoners. So take heart in that today. Thirdly, we see in our passage in verse 2 today to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So the anointed servant Jesus comes to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Now stop and pause for a moment with me. How is judgment good news? Especially for the first Sunday of Advent. Can this really comfort and encourage us? It can, and I hope it does for you. And as Christians, it should comfort us. And now I have to pause and say that if you have come today and you're not a believer in Jesus and not sure where you stand, that this is not good news for you. In fact, it's very bad news. But I hope and pray that you will reach out and call out in faith to Christ, the one who saves you from your sin, if you are not a believer in Christ today. Certainly, judgment is not a popular theme today, unfortunately, even in many so-called evangelical churches who seem to have lost an understanding of God as a holy and righteous judge of sin. And why is this? Well, I can offer a few guesses. Firstly, that the watered-down theology that many churches offer makes much of man, not much of God. 
And when you make much of man, you will naturally not want to talk about judgment. Secondly, is that many churches today do not worship the true God, but really worship an idol. A sappy, emotional God that is made in their image and seems to do whatever they want him to do. This God does not judge or hold anyone accountable for anything, but acts as a kind of grandfatherly therapist in the sky, affirming us in whatever we choose to do. How many times have you heard this statement? The God I worship is a God of love. I've heard that so many times and read it so many times that I've probably lost count. So let's pause for a second and think what's wrong with that statement. Well, first, there is only one true God, the true and living God that you read of in the pages of Scripture. There is no such thing as the God I worship versus the God you worship. There is only one true God. And second, the God I worship is a me-centered and man-centered way of creating an idol. Perhaps not a statue of an idol, but a God in my image. So let's just call it idolatry, which is what it is. We must not and we cannot ignore that the Bible teaches that all of mankind is in rebellion against him. That the natural man outside of Christ hates God, hates his law, and does not want to submit to God's word. The truth is this, that we hear in Nahum 1.3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will by no means clear the guilty. In fact, the greatest act of judgment of God, of God in the Bible is also the greatest act of mercy in the cross, where Jesus, the God-man, the second person of the Trinity, become incarnate, who is totally perfect and totally sinless, took the wrath of God on himself for the sins of his elect, for his chosen. When we could not pay, he paid for us. He took the judgment of God on himself for us. And we will symbolize this today when we come to the Lord's table in a few minutes, when we eat the bread and drink the cup, the symbols of Christ's body and blood given for you and for me. For believers in Jesus today, God has poured out his grace on us in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know yourself to be a Christian, maybe you're uncomfortable with verse 2, with a passage that speaks of the day of vengeance of God. And this is, again, not good news for you. But I pray again that you will come to know Christ, that you will call out to him and know his finished work and his forgiveness. As we move on our passage in verses 3 and Verse 3, we see that the true servant, Jesus, will also bring great joy and great comfort to his people. Verse 3 says, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, 
This must have been an amazing comfort to the exiles centuries ago who had returned to Jerusalem and Judah. And it must have been a comfort to the people that Jesus preached to at first, excluding the townspeople in the synagogue who wanted to throw him over the cliff. And it is a comforting word to us that we need to hear today too. Perhaps you, like me, have looked around you at the state of our nation, of our culture, of the church, and maybe you haven't seen much to rejoice in. Certainly in a season of elections, for me, they are not, elections are not easy to endure. I know that you have seen and I have seen men and women elected to office, sometimes unopposed, who give no thought to Christianity, who in fact are openly hostile sometimes to our faith and to Christ and to his word. And it can be discouraging. But we know that God will comfort us, his church. That God will symbolically give us a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, like a man in ancient times would wear on his wedding day, a turban, very fancy and made up, that a woman might wear also on her wedding day. Instead of sprinkling ashes on the head as they did in ancient times, in a time of mourning that God will give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And in ancient times, oil was a very precious commodity. It was very expensive. And it was used to anoint people as a special sign of God's blessing on them. In the same way, God gives us gladness in Jesus Christ. Even while we pass through difficult times or trials or struggles. That God will give us in Christ the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. In biblical times when people were mourning, when they were repenting of sins, they would often tear their clothes and they would often put on sackcloth, which is basically a very rough and coarse fabric that would be very uncomfortable. Imagine putting on a sack, an empty sack that had belongings in it, putting it on as a shirt, it would be very uncomfortable. Not soft and clean, like a comfortable cotton shirt that you wear today. Jesus gives us the garment of praise, and we can praise him for what he has done for us and what he is doing for us and for his church. We can praise him for being the good shepherd who never forsakes his sheep Verse 3 says that we may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. And that may ring a bell as a similarity to Psalm 1, where the godly man is compared to a tree planted by the streams of water that will always bear fruit. And Charleston has many oak trees, and perhaps you've seen the angel oak, a tree that I think is more than 500 and perhaps more than 1,000 years old. That tree has withstood numerous storms and hurricanes, and it is still standing. So it's no surprise that believers, that we are compared to solid oak trees, oaks of righteousness planted by God with deep roots that will never fail. 
during this Advent season, however you and your family celebrate, I pray that you will take courage today for my passage in Isaiah. I encourage each of you to take time in your personal and your family devotions during this season to pray and reflect on the incarnation of Christ and the coming of Christ. I encourage you to read and study and be encouraged, and not just on Christmas Day, but through the next few weeks, to open the Word of God and to read passages like Isaiah 61 and to see how it comforts to be an encouragement and a balm for your spirit. Jesus Christ, our Savior, who came to preach the good news to those who are poor and brokenhearted, freedom for those who are in the prison of sin, and judgment against the enemies of his church. This good shepherd will give to you the oil of gladness, the garment of praise, even while you walk through this life. Celebrate him this season, our risen Savior. Let us pray together. Lord, today we stand in awe of you, of your mercy and your grace that you give us through Jesus. Father, we uh, just humbly bow before you. We know, Lord, um, that you have saved us when we could not save ourselves. I do pray for each of us today that we would go from this place encouraged, that we would know that oil of gladness that you give us. We know that your word does comfort us and it does heal us. We pray today, Father, as we come to the table of Christ, that we would, through the bread and juice, be encouraged. It would be spiritual food for us. So we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.